Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Maui Nui is on a mission to help balance axis deer populations for the good of our environment, communities, and food systems on the island of Maui. They've shared over 126,000 pounds of nutrient-dense protein with the Maui community. Secure your spot now. Become a snack subscriber and join in helping to build more resilient food and ecosystems on Maui. Visit MauiNuiVenison.com. That's M-A-U-I-N-U-I-Venison.com. And use promo code BEAR for 20% off your first order. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. Simply pour a can in your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. Pick up a can of Seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit SeafoamWorks.com to learn more. My name is Clay Newcomb and this is a production of the Bear Grease podcast called the Bear Grease Render where we render down, dive deeper, and look behind the scenes of the actual Bear Grease podcast. Presented by FHF Gear, American-made, purpose-built hunting and fishing gear that's designed to be as rugged as the places we explore. I, um, I don't know if, if y'all are aware of this, but I am nursing a pretty severe injury. Oh. Mm. Oh, really? What happened? Like physical, um, emotional. No, very a physical injury. I have been alternating ice and heat, using a tens unit. Oh, um, laying rice. Down. It's been serious, rice. guys. It's been kind of serious. Wow. I'm dead serious. Uh, Immobilize. <laughs> it because Misty's I. Misty's going to be on prayer chains all across the country. <laughs> <laughs> that ain't a bad place to Tell be. us what happened. It's a lot better today, but I couldn't like turn to the right at all yesterday because I thought about sneezing. <laughs> I didn't sneeze. I just thought about it. I geared up for it. You injured yourself but, thinking no, about tell, sneezing? Tell the, tell the story of how it happened. Well, okay. So here's what really happened. I think what happened is that I was actually, I, I made a quilt this weekend for my first ever grandniece. Aww. One of grandniece. the next generation of so uh, our, my our people. So our nephew mm-hmm. is having a child. And it's the first one of that generation to have a child. Wow. So I made a quilt. My mom came over, helped me with it. Totally <laughs> bit off more than we could chew in the time allotted for this project. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so I just like sat over a sewing machine or, you know, uh, <laughs> I was like all day long. This is one of those you really have sewing months to do this. I know. Okay. Well, well, no, I mean, she's not. There's always deadlines. There's always stuff deadlines. Like this. It's always uh, there, there's a baby shower. Right. There's a baby shower that has a date, and then like three days before, it's like 
let's make this child something that will last their lifetime. Well, to be yes. honest, I bought the... Would you like to buy something? Well, no, you can't buy something that will TBH, last TBH, Josh. Right. That's right. Good use. I actually purchased the materials for this in January. <laughs> okay. It's been a busy year, you know? Absolutely. And so, so we... And we had a so lot of So you're hunched over so I'm machine. hunched over. So I think that probably my back was like, oh, I'd rather you not be like this. You know, this is too much for you know this time that? period. Birthdays. Birthdays. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, I've mm. never Accumulating felt birthdays. I've never felt like I've had accumulation of birthdays quite like I did this weekend. <laughs> so I get to the end of it. I'm getting I'm super happy we finish it like at midnight one in the morning and a sneeze comes on me. And I get ready to go for it, right? I I, get, I have powerful sneezes. I'm not mm-hmm. I'm not a meek and mild sneezer at all. I wish I was. It's humiliating to me when I sneeze. <laughs> like it's awful. Um, but I, I, one came on. I was alone. Everybody else had gone to bed, and I and I didn't sneeze. Nothing came out. But a muscle in my back seized up. <laughs> your sneezer. So, so bad. You broke your sneezer. It was horrible. I mean, just. Just like, and so Clay wakes up in the morning, and I said, "Hey, I I really hurt my back." <laughs> and he said, "He said why?" I said, "Well, to be honest, I thought about sneezing." <laughs> anticipatory I mean, she sneeze was injury, like incapacitated almost. Oh. She could walk, but just just barely. I couldn't. Get I thought out about of football one time, tore my ACL. <laughs> <laughs> about and so Clay it. said that either like the best case scenario is that I got a quilting injury. <laughs> I got an injury from thinking about me. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're so glad you could join us this yeah. well, at the Bear Grease to Render today. Feeling a lot yeah. better today. Did you know, I, I heard, and, and, and I like this, I like the thought of this. I like to think about it like this. Be careful. That aging, aging is actually the accumulation of error in your body. DNA replication. <laughs> Was that on one of your Error. podcasts? It may have been. Because I feel like I, I heard yeah, that. It may have been. Yeah. Okay, okay. I, maybe I said it already. But when you think about aging, it's actually, you know, your DNA replicates, and it's, it's an accumulation of error that makes you old and eventually makes you die. And, and it has wow, very specific things down. that happen. <laughs> There has to be a tipping point of that, right? Well, I think quilting injuries is the <laughs> <laughs> There's got to be an inflection point if it's an well, accumulation hey, of one. error. It's so great to have you all here on the Bear Grease Render well, today. To my right, I have my dear friend Josh Landbridge, spillmaker. Great Greetings. to have you, Josh. Glad to be here. Josh, you have brought your lovely wife, who's also uh, a dear friend is, of ours. Yes. Christy. Hello, hello, hello. My Christy, favorite person. Second time on the render. Second time. I second think. Time. Maybe even more. To Christy's left is Misty Newcomb. Yes. Great to have you, Miss Newcomb. Doctor Newcomb. Neck yes. brace and all. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to Misty's. Uh, I just thought Misty's it was a fancy right. collar. <laughs> to Misty's no right brace. is Doctor Brent Reeves. Yes, yes. Hello. It's great to see you, Brent. Brent, how's uh, this country life going? Man, it's it's more fun than a than a bush of, of puppies. It's just I'm getting lots of good feedback, talking to people. Who's this feedback over. coming from? Right. Mainly is me. This is kind of like a feed, like a like a. <laughs> is this your wife and your circle, daughter? Like an algorithm, yeah. algorithmic circle of people that just bolster okay. your confidence nonstop. Yep. It's my <laughs> it's, it's my mom and my wife. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yep. That's who it is. But it's man, it's going really good. It's so been, this last week you talked about brim fishing. Oh yeah. I don't know how. I haven't many listened people, to that one yet. I'm really looking forward to. I've it. I have gotten I don't know how many pictures of folks sending me. A, so man. 
you inspired me to get out and go catch fish. And I'm like, man, this is great. I hope they ain't going to where I like to go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because they're smashing them, man. They're catching fish. And lots of pictures of folks taking kids out fishing. Oh, that's great. Oh, it's it's wonderful. You know what's going to happen to you is what happened to me and Daniel Boone. What's that? <laughs> oh. Daniel Boone went into Kentucky in the late 1760s yeah. and found to him what was a paradise. It was also the 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 land and inhabited by, you know, the Shawnees and others. Mm-hmm. He he hunted for two years, and then within thirty years of him going in there and being one of the first white Europeans to cross the Cumberland Gap and go into Kentucky, within thirty years, Kentucky was a state. Oh, and what does this it, have to do with you? Yeah, I'm, yeah. one day. You're going to go to your brim fishing hole, and it's going to be covered with people. It's, it's going to be, be a, a, state. a mall. It's going to be a state. A mall. That would be really It's going to be a Starbucks. I've that's, ever heard. That, that's, uh, every time y'all tell a story, I just keep bringing it down. I'm so sorry for that. This yeah. is the dumbest conversation ever. Oh, we, got, we got our friend Deborah D in the house tonight. <laughs> <laughs> All started with a sneeze. Uh, uh, oh. <laughs> no, no. That, but that's a, that's a good thing is when people do what you're inspiring them to do. Yeah. Go yeah, fish. Yeah. And so I, today I've seen a few things around you saying that brim is your favorite fish to eat. Mm-hmm. More than crappie. More than anything. Is it because of the taste or is it because of the accessibility of crappie? Because sometimes I like something and I'm like, I like this better than that. And it really doesn't have to do with the, the, the thing. It more has to do with things around the thing. Like, this thing is accessible to me, so I love it, and I did it with my dad, and I can do it. There's obviously a lot of nostalgia with it, because it was our favorite pastime. And usually, anytime I catch a crappie, it's an accident. I'm not a very good crappie <laughs> fisherman. Mm. So, but you have a plate of them side by side, you know, I'm going to, I just prefer brim. I just love them. Can you I tell me, the, the describe to me the difference between a brim and a crappie in taste? Can you? One's good, one's better. Okay. I mean, I can't. I can't give you that. I can't give you that. Uh, you know how if we had a guest here, I would have you describe in detail what they were wearing. Yeah. Here's a plate of brim. What's Here's it wearing? Here's a plate of crappie. Talk to me about why one tastes different than the other. Well, I like brim out of the river more than I do out of a still water, out of a lake. Okay. It tastes better to me. Just It's a fresher taste. And people say, you know, this tastes fishy. Well, it's fish. That's what fish is. Should mm. taste like. Mm. Yeah, nobody says this hamburger's too hamburger. It tastes cowy. <laughs> yeah, it's cowy. It's whatever you like to eat. It's like gamey, you know, whatever. That's game doesn't taste gamey. It tastes like what it is. Bears taste yeah. like bear. Deer tastes like deer. Okay. Crappie have uh, the the meat is a little wider, probably. Okay. It's a little wider than what what brim are, but they're too, they know they're different fish. So I just my palate. I grew up. If if you put numbers on the on fish that I ate growing up, it would be brim by far the most, and then catfish, and then everything else. How many actual brim do you think you've eaten? Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> I, could, I wouldn't have. I, no I can't idea. wait to be. I'm, one day I'm gonna meet somebody, and when I do, I'm gonna give them a hug and like invite them to be my friend for the rest of their life. If they can tell me how many brim they've eaten in their life. <laughs> I quit counting Waylon's 
Coonsie tree last year sometime after 350-something. Now, I was I was pretty impressed that you were yeah. keeping track yep, of, of the amount of coons that he treed. But I couldn't tell you. I couldn't <laughs> I mean, even begin to guess. So, Misty and I ate some fish this week. Misty's not a big fish person. I'm not. I, I, when I, when I'm, I, I'm disciplining myself to become I, that because I want those omegas. When me and Miss Newcomb crossed paths and our lives became one, she didn't like fish. So, I kind of inherited Any this. kind. Yeah, you know when people say it tastes fishy, I'm like, and that's not good, and that's what this entire species tastes like. Mm-hmm. But All see, of them taste the same mm-hmm. to you, more or, um, more or less. Yeah, and you know, I was probably not raised on f- fine fish. <laughs> well, you know, cats over there, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Veal, like whatever fried it was. catfish. You don't like that either. Like when we would go to restaurants and they would fry their French fries in the same oil mm-hmm. that they would fry their fish in, I'd be like. I don't like these French fries. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. I mean, that was the, that, yeah. So this week, I was in Alaska back in May, and uh, we caught a halibut, about an 80-pound halibut, which was a pretty fun thing to watch. I was in the boat. I didn't catch it, but Christy, uh, do you know what a halibut is? Uh-huh. It's a big flat They're fish. huge, yes. Uh-huh. It's a flat I fish. I saw the picture. It looks like a big flounder. Man, so a, a halibut... If it, I was explaining this to Brent the other day. Please you know how just a standard, a standard brim would be upright in the water. He would be thin and tall, and his fins would be oriented. You know, his mm-hmm. dorsal fin would be pointing towards the sun. His tail would yep, be yep. pointing south. His mouth would be pointing north. Mm-hmm. A, a, a halibut would be exactly like a brim. His mouth would be exactly like that, except turned flat. So oh. that his dorsal fin would be pointing, like on the ground, but his, both his eyes are on the top, on the, side. on the same side of his head. Yeah. So when you get him and turn him upright, it looks like a messed up fish. Yep. Wait, so, I want to just see those hand motions again. Okay, I think it would be so beneficial. This is a brim. <laughs> okay. This is a brim <laughs> swimming right. through the water. Okay. This is a halibut swimming through the water. <laughs> Except the halibut has two eyes on top. A brim. Has two eyes on the side. Gotcha. It's like Wiley Coyote after he gets run over by a steamroller. Yes. <laughs> yes. So this week we I, I fried some halibut, and how was me, it? Oh, listen to this. How'd you? The, the story just keeps getting deeper. This story's making its own gravy. <laughs> I went. I wanted to fry halibut, and I went to the cupboard where we keep our bear grease, which I thought we had like ten jars. No. To be honest with you, no, sir. And there was one jar oh left in there. Oh my gosh! And that one jar was from. The rendering in at Bear Camp two years ago. I mean, coming up on two years. Ago. How was it? Well, I opened it up, and I have in the past I have used bear grease that was a year and a half old, and so this is more than a year and a half old. And I opened it up, and with age, it, the the, mm-hmm. the the odor becomes stronger. It's not bad. It's not rancid. Like you would know a rancid bad, odor. <laughs> it 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 was a stronger odor, and. And I went, well, it's not bad. So I got the pan hot, poured it in. Initially, the first three minutes of putting that barrel in there, there was a, it kind of had a stronger odor. Not a bad odor, just a must, little musty odor. And then once the oil got hot, it c- completely clarified. And I fried that halibut in that fish, and it was incredible. There was zero, zero taste of, so point being, Barrel oil lasted That's for good to hear. almost two years got, on the shelf, non refrigerated. Yeah, be careful, people listening. Always check for the smell. I wouldn't. I wouldn't normally recommend people eat a year and a half old 
And actually smelling it at the beginning, I was like, oh, I don't know that I want any of that. But I ate the halibut because, and I've eaten trout this summer uh, that Bear got. I think he got with you, Josh. Yeah. Yep. Um, and and I'm I'm developing a a, a tolerance. A tolerance. <laughs> it that that fish tasted good. The halibut. I mean, it really was good. It was really good. And, if you eat the and trout, it truly you didn't have any type mm-hmm. of like. Yeah, bottom. it's true. And Britt said the same thing about trout, but honestly, the trout, we cooked it in this garlic scape butter, and it was so good. And I didn't taste any fishiness to the trout. See, it's yeah, that's a, the thing. It's Super the texture fresh. that is a little yeah. bit of a... Uh, that's yeah, what fresh I've helps. It's like, okay, this is... this. The texture is what has been a, a turnoff to me. But I actually really liked the halibut. There was no no interesting aftertaste. And and really, Clay just like pulled off of Pinterest or something, the... the this batter? I'm not on Pinterest, but go I ahead. I don't think that's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, a, it was a good batter. It yeah, was a it was batter a really that good. used uh, flour and breadcrumbs. Nice. Panko crumbs. And, oh, uh, panko crumbs. Uh-huh. It was yeah, really so good. It was Where good. it's it was a combination. So it wasn't a cornmeal batter for that yeah. flounder. And it was it was very good. It was very the good. Halibut. Yeah, it was really good. Yeah, but the the, the halibut, it's, it's almost like a chicken strip. You can... Mm-hmm. Break it and it's very yeah. meaty, very layered. Yeah, have you had it, Christy? Yes, Do you Delicious. like it? I love it. Now, where have you had halibut? I've had it uh huh in Seattle, steamed. Oh, okay, really good. Steamed? Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, steamed. Mm. I've had it steamed, broiled, never fried. Oh, yeah, it, frying it is, I think, the way to go, man. Okay, um, I'm in. So. When do you want us to come over? Yeah, for real. For uh, real, well, you I should, would love to have. You should come over. You, uh, they supplied you us. Over. Christy feeds me all the time. Mm-hmm. Clay, okay. something big has happened that we haven't touched on yet okay. at the farm, Let's and go. that is Banjo has been back from boot camp for yes. a couple of weeks, and you haven't been ready to talk about uh, it. He's home on leave. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, if you recall, for those of you faithful listeners to the Bear Grease Render, the Back last year, I I talked about how I had green broke banjo. I'm trying to describe, figure out how the best way to describe it. I was riding him in a round pin. I got where he would take a saddle, where you could get on him, where you could ride him in a round pin. Last year, I used him to pack in bear bait in a place where we pack in bear bait. So he's been packed quite a bit, meaning he would use carry saddle panniers full of stuff loaded down and, and would have got a lot of exposure to just planet earth by doing that. But last year he two different times bucked me off. Un- he went wayward. He did. And, and it was my fault though. And I knew that it was, I knew that it was my fault. I don't know fault. why you keep covering for this animal. Like- well, it's because it's, it's, it's relevant, Josh. It's relevant because I just too quickly. I didn't do enough groundwork. I didn't, I long trained him too, which means when I trained Izzy, I had her for the most part trained in about 60 days because I messed with her every day for 60 days. Right. And went from almost zero to riding her in 60 days. Was Izzy the one you did the video series yeah. on? Yeah. Okay. And I still have her. Okay. Yeah. Banjo, it was more like over a year I did what I did in 60 days with Izzy and it just didn't stick as well. And not, I, as, not as consistent. Not as consistent. And and he bucked me off twice. Well, I felt like that it was my fault mm-hmm. that I that I rushed him. And so I asked Dad and you guys what I should do. I had a really good mule man 
in Prairie Grove, he's 80 years old. I told him about banjo, and he he wanted me to quit talking so that he could say, get rid of the mule, which was good advice. Point being, when, when I said the mule bucked me off, what should I? And he was like, get rid of it. In <laughs> yeah. his mind, it's like, why would you mess with an animal that already had a strike against it? Because a, a mule bucking you off is kind of in a way like a biting dog. You know, it's, mm. it's, it's like, well, maybe not. But, he doesn't bite everybody. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he's nice. Yeah. Does your so, dog bite? But I really felt like that it was my fault in, in that he deep inside had all the characteristics I was looking for in a mule, but Clay messed up. And so I remember my dad on this very show said, get rid of it. It's yep. not worth it. Get yep. rid of it. And, and I I'm actually sure he thought, still stands behind that. He said the same thing that. about one of our kids. <laughs> 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 he did not. And I, I thought he was right, and he probably was. Or it, well, at the time, it could have gone either way. But I went ahead and invested in Banjo and sent him to, to the um, Amish. Amish Mill Trainer, which is uh, uh, just a great guy. Something we should probably consider doing with some of our kids. Yes, <laughs> I would. Yeah, I need his number. I would, I would address, send my I kid there. I would. And he came back with a nice haircut. I mean, Banjo oh. kind of went a little bit flashy, and he came back kind of humble. I mean, had a very <laughs> tight, you know, it was like he had been at boot camp for Everybody real. Everybody gets a buzz cut when you get to boot <laughs> That's camp. That's right. That's right. He got a buzz cut. He got four shoes, and he came home a lot more humble. And I've ridden him every day that I've been home since the day I got him other than two days. So I've traveled a few days during that time, so not counting those days, but mm-hmm. only two days that I've been home have I chosen not to ride him. So I've probably ridden him 10 times, uh, sometimes as much as two hours, sometimes as little as 30 minutes. I've taken him on roads with traffic. I've walked him up to pedestrians with dogs. I've had him cross creeks. I've had him walk under bridges. I've had him... In all varieties of binds, walked him through creeks. Like when you're when you're running one like this, you're trying to find his cracks as quickly right. as possible, so you know what to expect. And then when he passes the test, you gain confidence in him. And uh, he's 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 doing very on a very scale well. on a scale of one to ten. What was he when you took him over there? Oh, a three. What is he now? For the stage that he's at, he's probably an eight. Wow. But in the big mules, in the in in the in the green broke mule category, he's an eight or a nine. In the finished mule category, he's probably a five. Oh, well, I'm there's just, different categories. Yeah, I'm just saying it's compared to what he was when you took. And he's how there. old? He's five years old. Okay. So I I I I've had him since he was weaned. You can teach him old mule a new trick. Well, what is the lifespan of a mule? Lifespan of the mule is going to be 30 plus years most okay. of the time. Let yeah, I've got a good 20 more working they'll, years. They'll on live this mule. long enough to kill you. I remember one time I went coon hunting <laughs> with an old man down on the Arkansas River, and I asked him how long he'd lived where he lived. No, 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 no. I asked him how long he'd been married. His wife was there, and he. He started the sentence off, and he looked into the air and started counting, and he said, 
Well, I got my mule. (laughs) (laughs) The mule died when it was 53 years old, and I was married two years before I got the mule. I've been married 54 years. (laughs) (laughs) And he had a mule that lived 52 years. Wow. Yeah. I don't think that's the point of that story. Yeah. (laughs) Is his last name Reeve? (laughs) When people ask me how long I've been married to Misty, I say, (laughs) <laughs> Izzy's eight, <laughs> and I was married uh, 13 years before Izzy, uh, 14 years, 15 years, 22 years. Hey, you could do that algebra. That is not how long you've been married. 23, been married. 23. Math. The math, math is tough. Math hey, is let me say, I think that Banjo gets extra points, though, because he's pleasant. Izzy is mean. She is she is. Uh, is she mean to certain people or mean a, to everybody? She's a salty old girl. I mean, she really is not pleasant. I, she well, is, before we started talking about banjo, we talked about how great Izzy was. Well, so Clay what happened? Loves well, Izzy. Clay loves Izzy, but Izzy is really unpleasant. Every morning she wakes up, like when she's here. Every morning she boots the other mules out of the feed pile when they do anything. I mean, she's constantly harassing everyone. Well, see, this is a classic. A classic example, and, and it's think, not a negative thing. I think Banjo's doing well in part because Izzy's not here right now. Yeah, and he's able to just kind of like. Well, it's, it's a classic scenario where there's m- massively different systems for rating the usefulness of stuff based upon your worldview and what you do with the animal. Misty walks outside and feeds them most mornings, yeah. and just watches them in the pasture. So when she sees Izzy, she sees a mean, sassy, Bucky mule that's pushing and biting the other mules which is very true izzy's dominant when i work in the banjo garden banjo is, actually comes up and eats the weeds beside the fit so that he so that we're working side by side oh, like banjo is actually so he is a very yeah. pleasant yeah he'll, he'll come up to you he's when social. you walk by him he is he's well really, and he's he he's sweet. he's probably never the dominant animal in sounds a, like fritz in a pen yeah truth which can be a good thing izzy though I'll tell you why I love Izzy. Izzy's now going on eight years old. I've had her since she was 18 months old. And I, I've i had Izzy in uncountable sticky situations all over the place in different parts of the country. And she has never done anything crazy. And now when you're evaluating people and friends, that's not a bad way to evaluate them. Part of the reason <laughs> I love Josh Spillmaker so much is he's never done anything Really crazy or bad. Uh, Brent has done like two crazy things, but I'm still giving him a chance. Um, two about, strikes, pal. Two <laughs> strikes. You and Christy are perfect. Just have never done anything crazy. But no, I'm I'm, I'm serious. Usually, you put three thousand miles on an animal. That one time, you know, she when she crossed the river. Yeah, freaked out and yeah. nearly killed you, mm-hmm. or or the one time that happened, or the one time. And so when you get an animal that just consistently doesn't doesn't do anything really stupid, Izzy's never kicked me, Izzy's never bucked me off, Who Izzy's never off? run off of run me off. Which Izzy. mule bucked off River? Uh, well, that was River's fault. That was River's fault. Uh, let's, that was Izzy. Let's edit that out. I, Izzy didn't. Mm-hmm. I, Izzy didn't. Buck River's her the off. worst. No, I'm just kidding. For sure. The, the mule ran ran with her and she lost control. So and that was when Izzy was young, and uh, <laughs> so was River. So, so was Sweet River and her. Yeah, it was that was a major mm-hmm. dad error. Mm-hmm. So Izzy's a great mule. She's she's <laughs> she's high powered, 
and she will. She's a better. She's she's good. And where in the mountains, is she man. now? Oh, I've got her over at a buddy's pasture. On okay, so what would happen to Izzy if you took her to the Amish trainer? She te- teach she'd, teach she'd, him she'd, a thing or two. <laughs> that's right, Christy. No, they. I mean, would could, they do anything to her? Like, oh, you, I could take her. Can you take a, a a mule that's trained to a trainer, and they can make her better? Hundred percent. When I went to pick up Banjo, and me and the trainer went for a ride, like uh-huh. he he was like, "Hey, when you come, we're gonna go for a ride. I want you to ride Banjo, uh-huh. and I want to talk to you while you're riding and tell you what we've been doing." He rode a mule that came from Iowa that was supposedly a really high dollar, nice mule that the owner wanted to just get dialed in real tight and get him neck reining real good. Sometimes these mules, are they plow rein train them, which means they, like if you want to go right, you just kind of grab know. the right rein and just pull their head. And neck rein is when the two reins are coming up on either side of the neck and you just move your hand mm. the direction you want to go. And actually the rein lays across the opposite side of their neck and they it's like power steering. You just mm-hmm. kind of move. So, yeah, you, he could teach he could teach Izzy something for sure. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, Banjo's great. I said all that to say Banjo may be for sale next April. Oh, why next April? That's, <laughs> when, that's when I will be confident. Oh, in, okay. And I want to ride him basically for a year. Why would you get rid of him? Because he's going to be worth a lot of money. Let's put but, money down right now on whether Banjo will be here next year. What's the uh, over and under? Uh, Listen, okay, let me, you want to really you, know my strategy? But I mean, you get this great mule. Why would you get rid of it? Okay, Josh, I just for, when I when I got Izzy up to speed and where getting on her was no longer a question of what was going to happen. Uh-huh. It was just knowing what was going to happen. If if Banjo and Izzy are out there right now, I'm riding Banjo because. I'm a trainer. I, I want to train them. I like uh-huh. messing with them. So Izzy's finished. Banjo at some point will kind of be finished within the next year. And he is a he is a prime mule to be sold because of his looks, because of his age. And he'll be worth a lot of money. And I want to get another one. And I've actually already got another one in my sights. Is I want to train another one. Flashy as they make, brother. <laughs> I don't. I don't buy a mule unless it's flashy. So if you get another mule, are you going to train it? Or are you going to, or the Amish going to train I, it? I, I, I am okay with what happened with Banjo. I recognize the limitations on my travel schedule in my life. Mm-hmm. I will get the animal started, and, but I, I may take it to my, to, my, to my bro. I think you have to quantify the value added to Banjo by the celebrity he has gotten from being on this podcast. Yeah. Well, he's, yeah, Christy, he's, and don't the, hate the player, hate the game. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps this whole thing has just been a ploy for me to become a high-dollar mule salesman. Trader. I think you should be a mule trader. Yeah. Like, lifelong dream. Right. It's like mm-hmm. people do watches, if, right? They trade if up, you, they trade If you say mules. you get a year out and someone's like, I don't want to buy this meal, but I will trade you X for it. What would be the thing? I ain't trading nothing but greenbacks. (laughs) (laughs) All about the Benjamins, baby. Do you know why? Because I want to build a north wing off of the the south headquarters. 
and we're going to call it the banjo wing. Oh, the banjo wing. So I'm going to use that money to build him. a wing. Literally, is it going to be full of banjos, Misty? N- <laughs> no. Clay, Clay has we'll given a me a number of different things that he will be using the proceeds of banjo <laughs> for. This, this is one of familiar. Or I may take Misty to Alaska on a moose hunt. Okay. Uh, whenever, whenever I get upset about him potentially selling banjo, he's uh-huh. like, well, you just, you don't know, but essentially that I'm going to use that money for X. And it's almost never the North Wing. It has been once, but there's a, there's a lot of other things that he's told me he's, he's going to use that, that money for. Yeah. In front of you and and I, I actually really like banjo. You know, when you take care of the animals, and I don't take care of them like ride them, you know, but just every morning I'm out there with them. And, and this week, someone left the gate open. Why? Why? And when I walked out there, banjo was standing by the gate looking at it like he was scared of it. But inside the gate, he oh. stayed in the... And that kind of endeared me to banjo. I'll I'll fight to keep that mule. <laughs> As the per- was a person who left the gate open a repeat offender? Um it, it was an older offender. Oh. It was me. <laughs> <laughs> it was a it was a small gate. Yeah, it was a big time error. Big time error. It was a small gate, like a like a pedestrian yeah, gate. It wasn't a gate. big gate. And so it appeared like it was shut, but it actually wasn't. It uh-huh. was only open about six or eight inches. Yep. And so I think he just didn't push up against it. If okay. he had pushed against when, it, he would have been like, oh, Izzy no. would have. When Clay, Izzy, yeah, Izzy would have, for well, sure. When Clay leaves, either myself or the children are in charge of those meals, right? Mm-hmm. And most of the time it's me, but he tries to give the boys or, or different people responsibility for them. And we have four kids, which means in one year, those mules got out four times because each one forgot to close the gate <laughs> at one point, right? And he, if he's not here, we're going to get those mules alone. And they'll they like trapes around town and the problem is is that they've gained kind of a reputation during that particularly during covid when we had all the kids here because that meant really yep. each one of them got to make one mistake because once you make that mistake you don't make it again for a right. while right and each one of them did it four times and so people were like hey that pretty mule's out again <laughs> <laughs> pretty mule <laughs> and people people started talking about these mules people kind of developed friendships with the mules the mules would come to houses and kind of see what they got going on in their lawn. And, and so people started, we have like a Facebook group, you know, for the whole city, people start commenting on the, on the mules. And then they like go down the railroad tracks together. And three of them had gotten out this last time. And I mean, the city had a riot with it. They they looked like a band walking down this railroad. People were really proud. <laughs> people the were, people of the town were proud that this was happening. So there. proud that they <laughs> took a picture of the mules, and it is now on the city community page. <laughs> Our loose mules, like it is still there today. Is it? Yes, I looked this week, and I'm like, take that picture down, get something else. <laughs> There's this woman whose pigs get out, and. I don't understand why the picture of the police trying to catch the pigs is not on the city Facebook group. Yeah, roof. yeah. <laughs> There's so Green much more Lakers drama. <laughs> so much more drama. Well, enough about mules. Okay. Enough about mules. As a parent, nothing keeps me up at night more than the idea of something happening to my children. But if something happens to me and I'm not around to protect them, that's a true nightmare. Having term life insurance for myself is crucial because I can rest easier knowing my children and loved ones can have some financial support even if I'm not there. That's where Fabric by Gerber Life comes in. Having life insurance just gives me that extra confidence throughout the day knowing that my family 
will be financially cared for if something bad happened to me. Fabric by Gerber Life is term life insurance you can get done right here, right now. You can be covered from your couch in under 10 minutes with no health exam required. Join the thousands of parents who trust Fabric to protect their family. Apply today in just minutes at meetfabric.com slash bear. That's meetfabric.com slash bear. M-E-E-T, fabric.com slash bear. Policies issued by Western Southern Life Assurance Company, not available in certain states. Prices subject to underwriting and health questions. Whitetail Institute launched the food plot revolution in 1988 with a concentration on research and real-world testing of forage products specifically for whitetail deer. Whitetail Institute's research and development team of agronomy experts provide effective, personalized service. I've been using Imperial Whitetail Clover for a long time in a food plot back behind my house. In 2007, I killed the biggest buck of my life over an Imperial Whitetail Clover small quarter-acre food plot. Imperial Whitetail Clover is the only clover scientifically developed through years of selective breeding. Clover Extreme Genetic Stability provides extreme cold tolerance, disease, and drought tolerance. It really does. Clover is coated with Whitetail Institute's Rain Bond, a polymer coating added for enhanced seedling survivability. They have an exclusive offer for Bear Grease listeners, 15% off Imperial Clover when you use the code BEAR at whitetailinstitute.com. That's whitetailinstitute.com and use code BEAR for 15% off. Pay attention here because this is a hell of a good service. It's called the Wellness Company. Picture this, okay? You wake up, you got a scratchy throat, you're all congested, you got a runny nose, you got a cough, whatever. And you weigh your options like you tough it out, get sick, take time off work, try to get a doctor's appointment sometime in the next few months, wait two hours at urgent care and sit in a room full of sick, sick folks, or you open your medical emergency kit. You match your symptoms to the doctor-recommended prescription, and you start on the right meds right away. These medical emergency kits is not a first aid kit, all right? It comes with doctor-prescribed meds to treat over 39 medical issues. So, on hand, strong antibiotics for infections of all types. Plus, a doctor's easy guide so you know exactly what to take and when. No waiting to see the doctor. No waiting at the pharmacy. It's all in there. Every home should have at least one medical emergency kit. Order yours online in minutes. Your kit will be rushed to your door. Get 15% off at twc.health slash meat eater, but you got to use the promo code meat eater. That's promo code meat eater, okay, at twc.health slash meat eater. Let us get to the matter at hand. This is this is serious. This is the final Crockett episode, the Alamo. This is this is a big day. I, I've had some I've had some talk about well, is he gonna make it into the Bear Grease Hall of Fame? As a matter of fact, some of you may have asked me earlier if we were gonna do that today. And I explained to someone on the Instagram the other day that inductions into the Bear Grease Hall of Fame are are kind of like a thief in the night. <laughs> you don't know when they're going to come. 
they just come when the time is right. So just because the series has ended and there's a potential candidate, just like any Hall of Fame, like the day that Michael Jordan retired, I don't right. think they held a meeting to see if he was going to be in the Hall of Fame. Do you know, Christy? No, I don't know that. Okay. So I don't, th- I think it would be projecting our intent too much to be like, oh, let's do an induction today. I think baseball, you got to be out five years before you're eligible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we'll probably do another induction in, in 20, five years. 29. No. Wow. That at, at, at when the time is right, should his name even come up in the conversation? That's not what this is about. So we're guys. not doing that today. No. I thought for sure we would be. I thought for sure we would be too. <laughs> you keep talking about it, foreshadowing, I figured. Yes. I I sometimes my plans are more in line with geologic time than human time. Oh, I'd kind say that's like- right. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> All you people live in day this by is day. Not the I'm era thinking generations for induction. Decades. <laughs> it's like ah. I don't know. Here's 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 how we're gonna do a project. Play says, All right, man, you ready? Yep. We're gonna leave in a month and a half from today. Gotcha. Next day. Hey man, we're gonna put that off six months. Okay. That's fine. Third day. Can you be ready in the morning? <laughs> Am I right or wrong? It's hundred percent true. Okay. It's one hundred percent true. Okay. Uh, okay, we'll do the induction. Okay. No. No. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> oh my gosh, this is like an emotional roller coaster. Uh, it really is. Hey, Just that, kidding. That Just is kidding. what life lived with Clay Newcomb is like. It is a constant emotional roller, roller coaster. Nuke, I've got a quiz for you. Ooh, okay. In your face. We're about. So we're about to get into Crockett. Yeah, I know. I've, it's from the from the podcast. You have you have a question. Okay, let's no, go. No, I don't have a question. I have a quiz. A quiz. Okay. Okay. This pandemic. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yes. We are. <laughs> you stealing my thunder, girl? But go. I'm with you. Uh, <laughs> Carefully, you next. First neck. appeared between 1817 and 1821. <laughs> Why don't you tell me what that pandemic was? It Why don't you tell us? Why don't yeah. you tell us? <laughs> I've been. How I've did been. James I've been. Wife died. <laughs> <laughs> Cholera. <laughs> no, 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 no. I no. said choleria. 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 You guys, I, I listened to it. Uh, I actually stopped and was like, God, I've never heard that before. <laughs> I rewound it. Like, I just assumed. You know, he said it, choleria. Anyone. Choleria. I mean, Your husband needs to get hooked on phonics. And I, I most definitely, like, was a girl in the 90s. And so I read a lot of Jane Austen. So I knew about, like, bad things that happened right. in you know, before we had penicillin and things like that. But but I rewound it, and I was like, man, I've never heard of that disease before. And I kept going back, and I was like, surely he doesn't mean cholera. Surely he's seen that. He does mean cholera. Don't call me Shirley. But exactly, Don't call me Shirley. Think about it. The way I figured it out is that he actually is a good phonetic reader. <laughs> <laughs> he read it just like it was spelled. Exactly. Like with all things, he added an I. He always goes in this like... That reminds me, Ava, when she was I. little, said, what's 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 Cholera? <laughs> <laughs> What's Cholera? Hey, okay, so I also took a little heat for the pronunciation of um, Jim Bowie. Bowie's name. Bowie. So I would say Bowie Knife. Oh, you were getting confused. There was another one, too. actually attest to the integrity of my journalistic efforts. 
that I'm not being influenced by. I'm not just listening to someone else <laughs> and then just repeating what <laughs> they said. That is a fantastic like spin. That is a fantastic spin, Clay. Yeah. That's like glass half full, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> the, of the, other, the other one is... What was the other one? The other one was the name of the... Oh, yes. De La Peña. De La yeah, Peña. Yeah. I, I had... A, and the, the guy you were interviewing kept trying to... Yeah, like bring it back down. Like that's a little hot. Uh. Yeah, <laughs> I have a hard time. Like I, I heard it. I heard it. I heard it. And today I could do it, but Pena. in the heat of the moment, I hadn't heard it enough. Yeah. So it's de la pena. Pena. See, pena. and I was like de la pena. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, it's always like it's always like oh, oh okay <laughs> okay. <laughs> I I struggled. I struggled. I struggled, guys. Do Boy. not read jalapeno. you know listen i i my mom us reading and having book access to books that was super important to her we did not have a lot of discretionary spending in our home and she but she would sign up for books when we you know if we bring those scholastic things home she would buy the books she really really valued like we did not we were not a big toy family we were not a gadget family but Didi would get you books, and and we had a stocked library, so we read all the time. I didn't hear all the words that I saw very yeah, often. Yeah, like me, right? Yeah, yeah. And so it wasn't like Same. I was around a lot of other people who. And I have story after story about when I went to college, <laughs> <laughs> where you would say words. <laughs> I mean, I'm thinking about it some of them right now. Um, epitome. Anyone know? Epitome. Let me see. Um, I remember I thought I was clever because I added the word pseudo in front of something. Like I made up a word. Right. Yeah. And I can't remember what the word was, but I remember it was not actually pronounced suedo. <laughs> <laughs> my kids give me on when I ask them if they wanted to go to that Chipo- uh, Chipotle restaurant. <laughs> Chipotle. Chipotle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Dad, that's not what it is. Uh, so I, I'm, mm. I sympathize with you. Buddy. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> well, so the Crockett series was, and if you're new to the Bear Grease Render podcast, what we do on the Bear Grease Render is we talk for about 30 to 40 minutes about Absolutely not. Random things. But then the last half of the podcast, we discuss the very serious Bear Grease podcast from the week before. This was our first four-part series, Christy. Yes. I've never done a four-part series. You haven't. Just three. Mm-hmm. And it three felt like the series. Alamo could have stood on its own. Oh, 100%. You know, it was like you've got the three-part series plus the Alamo. Exactly. And, exactly. and you have this an actor that's in both places. And so mm-hmm. th- this whole time, I've been trying to understand in this in in my mind get an answer for who was crockett as a person who was crockett and was he a good guy was he a bad guy was he a funny guy was he not funny guy was he did he have good intentions did he have bad intentions and clearly you can't really know all those things but you can gather data and there was so much information on crockett that was not true even much more so in his own time there were people writing autobiography quote, autobiograph- false autobiographies about him in his time, making him look to be a, a braggart, uh, a crass. Do you remember the painter, uh, Chapman, that made a point to say that Crockett was never crass when he was in his presence? And he was painting him, so he would have been around him a lot right. in a very informal environment for hours and days. And he never heard Crockett be crass. 
Well, that pointed to that people had made him out to be this like crap, you know, vulgar person. Right. And um, and so so my question this whole series is is who is Crockett? Because it's clear that his who he who he is has impacted America so much that we're still talking about him. People know him. He has as much name recognition probably as Michael in the upper echelon of Americans. Crockett. Yep. Why? He was a bear hunter. He was this Tennessee backwoodsman. He was uneducated. He was all these things. And when you really dig down into the granular things that he actually did in his life, he's a fascinating guy. But he takes a bad rap. Like, for instance, with the Alamo, if you had talked to me about the Alamo before I really studied much into it, I would have heard people say, ah, Crockett's no hero. He, he, didn't, even, he didn't even want to be in that war. Like, he didn't even have anything to give to it. He was just looking for land and, and painted it like he was a bad guy for being at the Alamo. And when you look, when you see what actually happened, it, no, it wasn't that his motivations were, I love the country of what could be Texas and I'm going to go fight for independence. No, but his motivations were, he was looking for a new life. He was looking for a better world for his family. Yeah, he wanted to be a politician in Texas. That's not a bad motivation. Anyway, clarification of all these things that he was. What do y'all think? What What do y'all think? was uh, After hearing four episodes, what's your take on Crockett? I think Crockett was a was a was a pretty normal guy with a charismatic normal guy. But I think one of the things that you know, Christy and I had a lot of discussion about his his time in Texas and whether he was there to just do what he had to do to get some land or you know what were what were his intentions there. And I think it comes down to the fact that uh, the one thing that I did pick up about Crockett is he was very relational. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, it, he talks about um, in the letter, I can't remember if it was the letter that John Wayne wrote, read or which letter, but he, he says, I'm, his, I'm here with my friends. He was, it was his letter to his daughter, and mm-hmm. John Wayne yeah. referenced it, but right. I read the whole letter. Mm-hmm. And I, I think there's an aspect to, like he believed in Texas. Like he thought, this is, this is a place where I want my family to come. But I think I think there had to have been an aspect because you 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 know you you see characters like Stephen F. Austin, you see uh, Jim Bowie, you know they they also have reputations of being larger than life characters, and I think I think that that David Crockett probably felt at home with those guys, and when it when push came to shove, he's like. It wasn't necessarily about getting the land. It wasn't necessarily about defending Texas. It was there to 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 stand with my with my brothers in the end. Mm. And so I think I think if there's if there's something good to be said about David Crockett is that he he cared for people. He loved people. And uh I, I, think, I think that's, that's a good I think that's good insight. I think in the moment you would do things right. for people. I don't think he would friends. just pack up and leave those guys. You know, I'm sure he said, All right, I'm here too. I'm I'm gonna stand with you till the end. And he feels he feels like a guy that can make a quick friend too. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. You know, yeah. I took him as being a family oriented. A lot of it, a lot of the stuff it it goes back to him taking care of his family. Like when his wife died, he could have pawned, which was not uncommon, find somebody. Look, 
I ain't got a wife. I got these kids. Y'all need to take care of them. Deuces. I'm out. But he didn't do that. He went and found somebody to take care of his kids. And then not only do that, he was taking care of them. That that letter, the whole time I was reading, listening to you read that letter, I was thinking that's the letter I would would have wrote to my daughter to where she wouldn't worry about me. Mm-hmm. Even when I could, if those cats were all cleaning the rifles outside the Alamo and I knew it was fixing to get bad, I, I'm not writing a letter home that says I may never see you again. Number one, I don't believe that's going to happen. They're going to have to get me because my my fight then is to get home to them. Yeah, you know, that's and, what I thought. And to take care of it. And that's that's what I got out of it, that he was mm-hmm. really family-oriented. And he he also had family there. His brothers, his brothers in arms, the folks that they was fixing to duke it out with, that was going to be the guy on the left and the guy on the right of him. You know, you you want to make friends quick and make family quick, get in a foxhole with somebody. Mm-hmm. When you get out of there, y'all, you will be tight forever. And that that was what I got out of that, that he was really family-oriented, or so I thought. That yeah. was my perception. Well, just for the historical record, and I, I felt a little bit bad not including this, but it just didn't fit. He he didn't have the greatest relationship with his second wife. We don't really know the details, but we know there was a period of time when they did not live together, which which doesn't necessarily mean that they were divorced or, or, or separate. Well, but they were separated. So I see, I see exactly what you're saying. And he was dedicated to his kids and different stuff. I think, uh, and I think he was very family oriented. I think he, I, I think if you really got into the, you know, we had a four hour podcast, basically four hours of content and, you know, you could read for, 50 hours on stuff written sure, about Crockett. Sure. And there is there is a fair bit of stuff about him not being a great husband. Never being unfaithful, that's never spoken of. Um, when you were talking about Austin and Bowie. Bowie. Boo, I thought I was saying it right. Bowie. <laughs> You're Bowie getting the confused with the 80s ro- yeah. punk right. rocker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know. Or 80s rocker. Um, Those guys had some legit rough stuff in their record. Mm-hmm. That would just be like a pretty, pretty wild strike against you. Crockett didn't have that. Crockett was a, Crockett owned slaves in Tennessee, at least one. Um, so it's not he's not, you know, he had that, but uh, but he was never known as a womanizer. He was known to be faithful. Whether now, you know, you're gonna write that in your autobiography? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> but uh, somebody Bill, else would though. So yeah. somebody else true. would write that in your autobiography. True, true. Oh, they'd write about it. Yeah. Does anyone know when the U.S. coined? We're 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 the land of opportunity, right? Is that true? Natural state. No, no, no. no, no. no. Arkansas, the U.S. The US. Uh, oh, I got you. I I think we're called the land of opportunity. I honestly, I think of, when I think about Crockett, like overall, in all the stories about him, he's really always. What drives him and motivates him, in my opinion, is opportunity. Yeah. Right? So you tell the story about the barrels and and taking them down. And it failed. But it was all about, like, we got an opportunity here, and he's chasing the opportunity. You think about, you know, his politics. Everything you talked about that he did and the impact from politics was all about how do you open up opportunity for someone. Mm -hmm. Like, going to Texas, 
whatever was driving him was like, I, it feels like in every element in every story you told, what he's driven by is that there's this opportunity over here. And I think I'm going to go after it. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's some kind of connection with why he's such a, a pillar inside of our history mm-hmm. is that there's that connection to opportunity. Mm-hmm. What's ahead of me? What can I go grasp? And whether that's for his friends or for his family. I mean, he watched it with his dad. His dad try things, fail things. He'd have to go make up, like go work to pay off his dad's debt. And he did it willingly, like, you know, from the stories. But but I think that was built inside of him. And there's got to be this opportunity for something else. And it, it feels like that is what was driving him. Yeah. And I can connect to that. Like, yeah. I think I think that's not hard to connect to and maybe an element of why he's such a pillar. Yeah, in American culture. Because, in American because culture. That, yeah, going back to your first statement, we, we do live in a place of incredible opportunity mm-hmm. over the last 200 years in this country. Right. If you just looked at the literal options that people have had in terms of economics and where to live, and I mean, and, and then you looked at the, the landscape of the world for the last eon, this is a place of incredible opportunity. And yeah, and he, he, that's what he, yeah, I think that's, uh, that's probably why he represents, he's such a core part of American identity early on. Yeah. And I kind of, I think that's a little bit what makes me have a slightly more critical view of, of Davy Crockett. <laughs> Josh just sorry. Brett just kicked Josh out. Josh is out. Christy's in. Yeah. The render. Uh, well, well, but I think that is kind of what makes me have a little bit like I, I'm listening to y'all describe him, and I think it's very generous. I think that <laughs> um, school I, I, teacher. Well, I'm just saying, I would love to be Davy Crockett's friend. I think he would be the person that I would, if I go into a room and he's there, I want to go hang out with him. I'm going to feel most comfortable around him. I'm going to feel, um, I'm going to enjoy hearing his stories. Yeah. I don't know that I'd want to live with him or rely on him. Like, I think that Mm. that would be, I'm just thinking about that, that constant pursuit of the thing around the corner and, and like the way he, he, when he lost, how quickly he fled out. Um, yeah, I don't. Mm-hmm. That's but was like, that not a characteristic of the American frontier? Hashtag let Misty talk. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I I hear you, and it may may have been. It's just if I'm a t- to me as I listen to to him, I think it's a characteristic of populist types of of people mm. who like as I, I. It was kind of funny to me that he found a home in Little Rock. Because we've read books by other authors who talked about found a home. or found comfort in Little Rock. Remember when he talked about the people in Arkansas, the, mm-hmm. the huge welcome oh, right. they gave them? Yeah. Because that type of politician would do really well here. That we we love populists and uh, and they do. Gershocker hated Little Rock. Exactly. There's other oh. authors who came through Little Rock around that same time period who thought it was the bane of humanity. I mean, they just thought it was a terrible. Uh, what how, Gershocker? Do you remember what how? How he described it? Oh, it, it's it's not really comparing apples to apples because Gerstocker was detailing actually live like traveling through and living right. in the city. All we have from Crockett's stay here is his his an welcome excerpt reception. from his speech where he's trying to make friends with these people. Yeah. And he says, 
this is where the half right. horse, half alligator men yeah. that live he was nowhere a politician. else along the backbone yeah. of the He earth. was a politician because he said, you know, no finer place could he find to live than Little Rock. <laughs> then he went to Texas. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah and he's like, this is the garden spot of the <laughs> world. Yeah. 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 In Texas. Yeah. New Mexico's yeah. great. Yeah. It's like all these country singers. Been in Nevada? Just, uh, it's like all these country singers you see on Instagram every yeah. single week. It's like, Spokane's the best place <laughs> in the world. Yeah, exactly. The next yeah. night they're like, too. Yeah, but that's actually kind of the feel I get from Davy Crockett. Like right. he's gonna be whatever he needs to be in the room. He's yeah. a chameleon. Doesn't have super thick skin. Super strong staying power. Like I just I think fun guy. Could see why everyone would like him. <laughs> Not sure that that's the guy I would hitch my boat to. Well, because he lacked restraint. I think that's mm-hmm. the thing about him I, and any good entrepreneur, right? I'm, I'm fascinated by entrepreneurs. Yeah. Who will live in their college apartment. 10 years after they've made eight, you know, $80 million. Why? Because they don't care about the money. They, they are building and investing in whatever they're building in. But a good entrepreneur is going to have restraint. They're going to, they're going to have that entrepreneurial spirit, but they're going to also restrain themselves. Good option, bad option. Opportunity there, not one to pursue. I don't think Crockett had restraint. Yeah. I think he, I think he just went after all of it. He did. Which of you listening right now took a class in school about Family Finances 101? No one? Yeah, me neither. Like the importance of a will or college savings plan or even life insurance or estate planning. We have to know these things. But how do we figure it all out? That's why I'm excited to partner with Fabric by Gerber Life. Life insurance is important to me. It just gives me security in knowing that if anything happened to me, my family would remain financially stable in my absence. Fabric by Gerber Life is term life insurance you can get done right here, right now. You can be covered from your couch in under 10 minutes with no health exam required. Join the thousands of parents who trust Fabric to protect their family. Apply today in just minutes at meetfabric.com slash bear. That's meetfabric.com slash bear. M-E-E-T, fabric.com slash bear. Policies issued by Western Southern Life Assurance Company, not available in certain states. Prices subject to underwriting and health questions. Whitetail Institute launched the food plot revolution in 1988 with a concentration on research and real-world testing of forage products specifically for whitetail deer. Whitetail Institute's research and development team of agronomy experts provide effective, personalized service. I've been using Imperial Whitetail Clover for a long time in a food plot back behind my house. In 2007, I killed the biggest buck of my life over an Imperial Whitetail Clover small quarter acre food plot. Imperial Whitetail Clover is the only clover scientifically developed through years of selective breeding. Clover Extreme Genetic Stability provides extreme cold tolerance, disease, and drought tolerance. It really does. Clover is coated with Whitetail Institute's Rain Bond, a polymer coating added for enhanced seedling survivability. They have an exclusive offer for Bear Grease listeners, 15% off Imperial Clover when you use the code BEAR at whitetailinstitute.com. That's whitetailinstitute.com and use code BEAR 
for 15% off. Pay attention here because this is a hell of a good service. It's called the Wellness Company. Picture this, okay? You wake up, you got a scratchy throat, you're all congested, you got a runny nose, you got a cough, whatever. And you weigh your options like you tough it out, get sick, take time off work, try to get a doctor's appointment sometime in the next few months, wait two hours at urgent care and sit in a room full of sick, sick folks, or you open your medical emergency kit. You match your symptoms to the doctor-recommended prescription, and you start on the right meds right away. These medical emergency kits is not a first aid kit, all right? It comes with doctor-prescribed meds to treat over 39 medical issues. So, on hand, strong antibiotics for infections of all types. Plus, a doctor's easy guide so you know exactly what to take and when. No waiting to see the doctor. No waiting at the pharmacy. It's all in there. Every home should have at least one medical emergency kit. Order yours online in minutes. Your kit will be rushed to your door. Get 15% off at twc.health slash meat eater, but you got to use the promo code meat eater. That's promo code meat eater, okay, at twc.health slash meat eater. The one thing that we don't have about Crockett mm-hmm. is that he only lived to be 49 years old. Yeah. We don't have the rest of the story. Like, maybe the story would have been he'd have gone to Texas and he, you know, has a huge place there and it's stable. And maybe financial stability would have calmed him down the last part of his life. And he would have been the president of Texas. And then all this stuff that happened to him before, all these failures, would have just been the thing that built up to the success. So when somebody dies when they're 49, it's just... You you get in like half the story. Yeah, I don't disagree, and not, like I said, I don't think he's a bad person. Like I don't, I don't, yeah. I don't dislike him. In fact, I like him. I would want to be around him. You know, yeah. I would want to be around him. I would enjoy the pursuits and would love to, you know, once he did something, and it was like say, he like he's a he's a pioneer. He's a he's an entrepreneur. I think he's, one thing that I, I talked with Robert Morgan about this, and it just didn't make the cut. I think that a lot of who Crockett was came from him being a middle child. He was fourth (laughs) or fifth of eight or nine kids. And he was, the thing that glows to me in his autobiography is how much he loved validation from people, which actually made me not like him. Mm -hmm. Because he spends half of his autobiography talking about basically... He, he spends a lot of his autobiography talking about how people responded to him. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. And he was very pleased with the way that right. people responded to him. I, I could look at that and immediately go, this guy is full of himself. And that's really what Cleve Stanella was <laughs> trying to say, was that Crockett was kind of a vain man. That's the idea that you get. And Crockett went to his own play. That in New York City, Broadway play about him and kind of took in the crowd, you know, when they recognized that Colonel Crockett was here. The less generous viewpoint is that that he he was jumping from place to place, not just for opportunity, but for validation for well, he was. And that's where it. I go back to this middle child thing. 
This man was literally raised in abject poverty on the American frontier, which today is romanticized. At the time, was the end of the earth. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was not the place you wanted to be. People yeah. were enamored with the frontier. Europe wanted to hear about it. The East wanted to hear about it. But to actually live there and scratch out a living was would be like living on the edge of a war zone. Yeah. Yeah. It would be. Mm-hmm. And I heard my friend Steve Ranella. Uh, one time <laughs> described the American frontier like living on the border of Iraq and Pakistan. I mean, a, a contested border. Yep. And um, so here's this kid mm-hmm. who pops up, and by the time he's like in his late 20s, and he becomes a magistrate in his county, and all of a sudden his neighbors start going, you know what, David? You're pretty. You're a pretty good guy. You have pretty yeah. good judgment. You're a respected man and then he runs for state representative and all of a sudden just like holy cow i could be state representative in tennessee and and i mean i see and and so he climbs that ladder and he begins to actually do work for the people Mm -hmm. he 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 was he was a good politician especially at the state level he did very good stuff and was an effective politician when he was a tennessee state representative Doing really practical stuff, right? Like help. He he made laws that made it more difficult to get a divorce. He made laws that helped widows. He made laws that were practical laws, like building uh, navigation inside of rivers. And but his main thing was always the people like him that didn't have money that wanted to be landowners but had zero way to get mm-hmm. there. That was his main thing: was the people need this land, and so. When you look at that, and then, you, again, this middle child thing, enjoying validation because mm-hmm. they never got it because they weren't the oldest, they weren't the youngest, they were just lost in the middle. Some of us understand that. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Not Josh. He doesn't understand that. Josh. Who else is Josh, a middle Josh, child Josh. in here? I'm a middle child. Most definitely Clay is. <laughs> He's <laughs> him, obviously. Yeah. Who was the baby in here? That'd Brent's be Misty the baby. And Brent. Misty's the baby. The real Josh. Fun ones. I was the firstborn. <laughs> Josh is the firstborn. Yep. So w- when you, so basically what I'm saying is, is I could be negative about Crockett and think he was, see this thing where he was kind of vain, but I also have a, it's it's a pretty tall order to put my value system that I have today yeah. on a man that literally rose up from the ashes mm-hmm. and became a legitimate potential presidential candidate, did all that he did, and he did have a lot of moral fiber. It was misused in some places, but he really stood up to Andrew Jackson, the most powerful man in America, yeah. and put it in his face mm-hmm. about the marginalized Cherokees and Native Americans that they were trying to move out. And from everything that you can inspect about his decision to oppose the Indian Removal Act of 1830, it was legitimate, which it's like, man, I can hat tip that because yeah. that was that was a very forward-thinking idea. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so he stood against that. So, man, he would have been a hoot to have been friends with. He sure oh, yeah. would have been. I would have loved to have He would have had a permanent him. seat mm-hmm. at the Bear Grease Render. Okay, yeah. He would have been more Stories for colorful. days. Uh-huh. He would have yeah. rivaled you, Brent. Yeah. First ballot. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer. I'm just saying. Mm. Ooh. Uh, Brent's, trying right to, in. Brent's trying to force a, a vote here. He's trying here. to force oh. a vote. Mm. That's a coup. <laughs> <laughs> or a coop. 
A coop. A coop. As coop. If I was a reading it, if I was reading it in my literature, un- you try to do a coopy on us, un- untainted by uh, the opinions of others, I would read that as a coop. Okay, we're gonna do. We're gonna. This is this is great. Um, we're gonna do a quiz. Oh, oh we win. We're gonna do a quiz. <sighs> I'm not using all my brain unless I got a power, a prize. Oh, I see. So, uh, do you have any other thoughts on Crockett as a whole? What, what? Well, what about this last episode? Do you see, in general, this is one of these things where, in general, people you get the idea that people in Texas are real worked up about whether Crockett died fighting. I, I was right. really surprised when the guy talked about the letters and death threats he got. Yeah. That was wild that, to me. That was kind of wild to me. Well, but when you actually talk to the individuals that I talked to in Texas, they're like, we really don't care how he died. No, I, I wouldn't have either. Yeah. He, he was there. He was, he, he signed his name to the dotted line and he got up there and he, he stayed there with the folks. He didn't run off. I don't care if they caught him or if he died swinging like Fess Parker did, or if they blew him up like they did John Wayne, he was there. And to me, that's all that matters. Because that's all well, that mattered to those boys that were with him. It, I could have made a podcast wholly on the controversy of yeah. why even 50, 60, 80 years ago, Texans made a bigger deal about it. Because there's all these paintings of Crockett, mm. so much national, or well, te- state identity, but mm-hmm. at the time, national identity, because Texas was a its own republic, its own country for about eight, nine years. There was there was some deeper stuff, and uh, my boy James Crisp, he I, I didn't I didn't include it because it's just not the conversation I was having, but he he brings up a strong point of he he talked about how he felt like they didn't want Crockett given up to the Mexicans as like a racial thing, like we would never we would never surrender to right. Like Benedict you know, Arnold, another country. Like mm-hmm. Benedict Arnold turning right. on us for the British, and, and so so there therein lies something mm-hmm. a little bit deeper. Which mm-hmm. I don't know. It, it was a compelling argument he had, like I said, but I don't know that that's the full story. If you were, you might could look at it that way. So there is some more. There's some legitimate reasons to wonder about why he did it. But what do y'all think? How did he die? Ready to go, Brent. It's your gut. My gut is they overwhelmed him and killed him. They caught him and killed him. Just from the description. So you're not like a, executed. You think he was captured and executed. Is that what you're saying? Well, the real uh, question is, yeah, was, was the De La Pena diary correct? Or Because that was the whole thing. De La Pena said that seven men were right. captured and they were executed. The, 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 and, the, the lady... That had the child, and then they Dickinson. Yeah, and they one of the survivors. She said where he was laying was laying between two buildings, laying there with his hat beside him. To me, if they're going to execute him, they'd put him out in front of, right out in the middle of the street or the middle of the courtyard or the plaza or whatever it was. But she said it was between two buildings. To me, it sounded like that's where they they run him down or caught him or surrounded him and got him right there. There, there's something to be said there, but the, here's the thing, and I'm not, I'm, I'm playing devil's advocate mm-hmm. just for the sake of all the information, is that she never wrote down what she saw. 
what she said was recorded by someone else. So right. this woman, who is one of the only female English-speaking survivors who survived with her child, who was called the Alamo Baby, she's, the person that wrote down what she said said, I saw Colonel Crockett laying there with his peculiar hat beside him. And she didn't say, like, there was a line of dead men. You know, as they, like an execution yeah, line. And that was what I'm saying. And then right. Santa Ana made really no reference to him other than if some guy called Crockett. Right. Am I right? Okay, so you think he you think he he died fine? I do. Okay. Miss Newcomb. Okay, I think there's two possibilities. If I have to pick one, I'm gonna pick uh how the how the lady described him. That the but what I'm saying I is that the saying. lady. I hear what you're saying. You're saying she she described. He could have been executed. Yeah, but I'm with Brent. I think that I do think the guy would have made a bigger deal of it if he would have understood who he was. And if he didn't understand who he was, then yeah, it was. It's almost like an afterthought. And yeah, this guy y'all know. Everyone there is talking about named Crockett. I think it's possible he could have gotten caught up in a sneeze. <laughs> <laughs> it just killed over. It just happened. I mean, he was forty-nine, so you know. <laughs> uh, good one, good one, Nuke. Way to bring it back. Oh man. Oh wait. So, so you think he died in battle? You don't think he was executed? I don't. I, I and you guys think... are real believers. I... Listen, listen. I, <laughs> if Christy comes back and says he was executed, I'm gonna tell her all the reasons why it's crazy to think he was executed. So I'm I'm play I am playing devil's advocate. Yeah, I can take it. There are three corroborating eyewitnesses of Crockett's death by execution. Why zero on the other side of him dying in battle? They and all where, three were on the other side, right? All three were Mexicans, and they did it quite a while after, right? Well, the the information, well, but no. That, the the De La Pena diary mm-hmm. did come out in the 1850s in America. Uh-huh. People knew about it in Mexico for a long time. Okay. It's just Crockett was brought up by Disney, and apparently somebody was like, "Hey, we got you know yeah. we, we know, know how Crockett died." My yeah. thing was that the didn't they say something like the font was different or okay that yeah there were some differences. Wade, my buddy Wade Dillon, I love that guy. He his, he's the one whose dad built a house that looked like the Alamo in Florida. Right, that was <laughs> Wade Dillon's a cool guy. I wish he could have been here. He's a great guy. Um, you should follow him on Instagram, Wade Dillon Art. He he's a illustrator and passionate about the Alamo. I love it. Mm. He Wade said he he's the one that said that, and that is an argument that the diary is true, like it was a legitimate diary, but the section about Crockett was was forged and wasn't right. He thinks that De La Pena was in a Mexican prison and was reading newspaper articles and went back in and filled in his diary huh. with the information he was getting from newspapers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it was different. Yeah. James Crisp, who that guy, his, he, is, he is probably the, Authority. Na- the national expert on Crockett's death for the side of execution. And he says that the De La Pena diary has been scrutinized to the highest degree by all the possible methods and that it is 100% legit. That's what he believes. So now you're looking at Christy like, Christy, what are you going to say? But you just sort but of... Listen, no, no. But listen, Josh can, Josh can validate that this is what I said yesterday. Okay. And I'll say exactly what I said yesterday. Okay. I think he was captured and executed. Mm. And I think that because... 
I think he was, he wanted to live. He wanted, yeah, I don't, I mean, I'm going back to my first, like he was all about opportunity, making a way for his people, his family. And I think he was a good soldier. And so I don't think he was killed. I think he was captured. And I think he could have been captured fighting as hard as he possibly could. But that's, that's, I mean, maybe it's a so romantic you, you view. you think he was captured and executed? I do. And I would what also about, say the only about, thing I know uh, about the parlay, I've learned from Pirates of the Caribbean. And <laughs> I was offended by they rejected Well, what about the Tornell Decree then, Christy? I don't, I don't know. The Tornell Decree was <laughs> death to all that. pirates, yeah. which right. means they weren't taking prisoners. Yep. That's what that's what's, was so We had that conversation yesterday, too, because it was so confusing. Yeah. And they rejected the parlay. So did they actually capture anyone because they told them Just no kill prisoners, everybody. kill everybody. So it was weird. I don't know. But if I'm just, if I get to choose, which I feel like this is a little bit choose your own adventure because mm-hmm. we don't know. I'm going to choose that he was captured because he I fought like I know what not happened to die. <laughs> I know exactly what happened. What I happened? think, I think he fought. I think he ran out of ammunition. I think he probably was down to, you know, Hand weapons, a knife, a, a hatchet, whatever. I think he could have lost those. I think they probably overwhelmed him, took him, and just killed him. Not not like a public execution, but Christy, like they, you're out. Josh, they you're caught him. I think they in. caught him and just killed him. I did that for him. So that would be <laughs> dying in battle. Yeah, but I think I think oh, he wow. was. Oh wow, you're introducing a whole new I theory think he was, into the David I think they probably so, so we've got it's four a repertoire of ideas. <laughs> I mean, I don't think it was. I don't think it was hand to hand combat that he died in. I think he was. I think they probably cash rated him. Just yeah, gave that's what him I, the yeah. bum rushed him. That's what I said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's what I. So said. I, I think I, can get on I don't with think that. I don't think they made a big deal that he was David Crockett. He was just another guy fighting. And see, there. that's where, and then somebody who knew recognized him. He had right. that peculiar hat on. Yeah, that's what they fine. Well, and we're pro- none of us are probably really qualified uh, to have an opinion. True. <laughs> Why? Well, if I'm Why? being honest, because we have not read the De La Pena diary, nor and I, I have not, I have not read what he actually wrote. I've not seen the pages and made a decision of was the front like the back. But also the the corroborating witnesses, I would like to read those to see what they said. There's also they also said that De La Pena was very upset with Santa Ana and was in a Mexican prison and he had reasons to say that Crockett was executed. What were like, those reasons? Well, I don't know. I, I don't understand really all the politics of it, but it would be like, oh, of oh. course he would have put that in his diary. Mm. There's stuff like, like it's very complicated. Very complicated. But am I the last one? You're yes. the last yep. one. What do you think? Sneezing. And just because we're not all qualified. So help me, every Texan in America is going to come after you if you say he. He committed suicide. That did not, not happen. Not, no, have, not having, quali- having a qualified it's, it's hard point for me of view has never stopped us before. To not, even with the De La Pena diary, even with the co- corroborating witnesses saying they saw him executed, it's, it's hard for me to get behind it. 
that execution. I, I, I think I think he died fighting, and that's not I, a romantic. I don't really care. I don't think it's yeah. that's not me wanting to like Crockett. I just think that they were just killing a bunch of folks. Yeah. And secondly, what are the chances that Crockett would have been one of the last guys? Yeah, mm-hmm. that's standing? the thing. Yeah. He could have died twenty minutes after it started. I mean, there are. We do know that he lasted a really long time, and it's even possible that some of the survivors noted that he was one of the last guys around. Somehow we we know that, and and the data that I, I, escapes you. Well, I don't know that I ever had it, mm. but but the fact that he would just be like the last guy alive. It would made for a short movie and book <laughs> if he'd have died at the beginning of yeah. it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I just think. Um, but if he was captured, I think he would have done everything in his in his power to get released. There's, yeah. Because there, the the De La Pena diary and some others say that he tried to get out of dying, which is like a good thing. So right. I, yeah. Of course. I would have believed yeah. like if they said he got tried to get out of dying with like befriending them and saying wild stories and yeah. Like I, I would think that if he were to try to get out of dying. It would be colorful mm-hmm. and memorable, and, and he was he he wouldn't have done it. The thing about everyone getting mad, like he wasn't doing it out of cowardice. Like you were just motivated to live. Yeah. And if you weren't shot in the battle, then you're mm-hmm. gonna be motivated to live, whatever that looks like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But to go against everything that I just said. <laughs> <laughs> To play, play devil's our, advocate on yourself. Our boy, my friend Wade <laughs> Dillon, he said that he doesn't think Santa Ana would have killed Crockett if he would have known who he was. Oh. Because he would have taken him back to Mexico to prove to the Mexican government of American involvement. Because here is this, uh, the most famous American. man in America yeah. that Santa Ana would have saved him and taken him back. Well, they because, still could have taken him back. Well... That's why, I, exactly. and, and I'd like to talk more with Wade about that. I mean, it's a pretty big deal to take a prisoner of war, especially when you've declared that everyone's going to die. And they ended up taking a flag back of the New Orleans Grays, which was a garrison of troops from New Orleans. And so I, that argument, I'm not entirely clear on, because that's one of his main things. Is he said, if they'd have known Crockett, they wouldn't have killed him. They would have taken him as a captive. Because he was so famous. Yeah. Which I don't know. Mm. Mm. Has everyone been to the Alamo? I, I have not. Yeah. I've I been there. I, I, ha- I don't remember being there. My family traveled a lot when I was under three years old. I don't remember it. I've been to the Alamo, not in the Alamo. Okay. Christy, you been there? Yep. Mm-hmm. How, do you, how do you do <laughs> this whole thing, this whole series about, well, this, just this last one in particular, the last episode about the Alamo. And not mention Phil Collins. Mm. It, you know what? Clay actually tried to get a hold of him. Yeah. Oh, Phil's not doing well. No, I, I understand mm-hmm. that as well. Yeah, we actually tried to get Phil Collins as a feature guest on the Beggar's Podcast. It made a pretty legit stab with some people that knew his people. Oh, really? He's yeah. an extreme Alamo enthusiast. Phil oh. Collins, the musician? Yeah. I didn't see it in the air tonight. Yeah, he, like, he donated a... <laughs> He had a I huge did not collection. He had a huge collection of Texas and Alamos. Apparently, his age his age would have had him as a child during the okay. Walt Disney Crockett 
mm-hmm. era. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he's a very well known Crockett Alamo diehard. Really? Interesting. Makes me like him even more. It's fascinating. I can hear it. How's it go? I can feel it. Feel it. Coming I said, in the see it. You said, hear it. It is, feel it. <laughs> we love you, Phil. No symbols. That's right. It's true. Mm. Well, this has been a great conversation. Thank you all so much for being here. Christy, it's been great to have you. Thank you. Yeah, you, great to you, be here. you gave some very compelling arguments that are going to rival the next invitation, whether I invite you or Josh. <laughs> Josh, thanks for thanks for driving her up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm just the chauffeur. Uh, well, I can't wait for everyone to find out what the next series is about. Oh, is uh, it going to be a four parter too? On Fess Parker. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. I doubt it'll be four. I doubt it'll be four. Gonna be good. Okay, but Phil, it's gonna be good. Phil, CC Isaac, CC Hayden. Please close out with, I can feel it in the air tonight. (laughs) 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 Goodbye, Mallory. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, guys. This show is sponsored in part by BetterHelp. Around New Year's, we get obsessed with how to change ourselves instead of just expanding on what we've already done right. Maybe you finally organized one part of your space and you want to tackle another. Or maybe you're taking your supplements every morning and now you actually want to eat breakfast. In the last year, I've been more diligent about going to the gym on a regimented schedule. And it's made a lot of difference in my life. Therapy helps you find your strengths so that you can ditch the extreme resolutions and make changes that really stick. Therapy is helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Celebrate the progress you've already made. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Grease today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash Grease. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. Simply pour a can in your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. Pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more.